Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thank you for listening. The challenges to good health from cigarette smoking is one of the biggest tests facing the medical world and many government policymakers. It's a danger to our health that is no longer a matter of opinion. But countless people still start smoking tobacco or continue using it. Here in the United States, the Centers for Disease Control has initiated a program to educate and help people stop smoking, as well as to prevent them from starting. Rebecca Cox McDonald, former smoker herself, is part of the CDC program, and she is graciously with us this morning to talk of her personal experiences and to give tips of how to face tobacco use. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Strauss. Before we go any further, we should point out that a website exists with a lot of good information and it's a relatively simple one to remember as well, which is always helpful. It's www.cdc.gov tips, cdc.gov tips. It's nice when things are concise and to the point. Right? It really makes things easier. Okay, let's talk about you. There are several issues. What made you start smoking? What made you stop? How did you stop? Give us an overview, please. I, like a lot of smokers, picked up the habit at a very young age. I was a 16-year-old impressionable born into a family of smokers. Smoking was all around me, so it just seemed like the social things to do to fit in with the environment. I decided to stop smoking for the final time when my grandson, I didn't want to the behavior or the use of cigarettes down to another generation. So I stopped smoking when he was just about six months old. And I did so by exchanging a unhealthy habit for a healthy habit. I was an athlete in high school. So I just sat down one day and decided to remember who I was before the cigarette came into my life. So we started walking, my grandson and I. I put him in a baby stroller and we would walk a block and run a block and walk a block and run a block. That was my inspiration and my motivation to stop smoking. People you know who have smoked, do they have a similar sort of, shall we say, inspiration, a passion, a reason to stop smoking? Because stopping smoking is very difficult, as you know and as we all know. I truly believe you do have to have a motivation. You have to have something that motivates you to want to quit. I actually quit smoking twice in my life. In 2002, I quit for seven months and was struggling through a divorce and went back to my old friend, the cigarette. I had no idea how to deal with those feelings, so I went back to the old habit. But I wanted to quit. For not only myself, it, I had the habit for 36 years. And so it became such an antisocial thing to do that you just didn't want to put that out in public anymore. That you just can't smoke anymore. Didn't want to be a part of the smoking crowd, so to speak, anymore. When you stopped smoking, did you just stop? Did you use some of the anti-smoking, smoking reduction aids that are on the market? How did you actually do it? I had tried the patches when they first came out, but didn't do so well on them because I didn't have the guidelines. The patch is a very good way to quit because it monitors the tobacco withdrawal symptoms. But for me, it was cold turkey. I just decided that that was it. I set a date, and I followed through with that. And once I quit smoking for the final time, 
when I look back on the efforts that I put through, when you are smoking, you think it's just going to be so difficult to stop. But it's not as difficult to stop as I had made it out to be in my mind. Very important point. Critical point. Maybe you became a little bit overly anxious or even catastrophized a little bit about how nasty would it be. Difficult, but not impossible. Exactly. And just have a lot of self-confidence. Reach out to the ones you love. Family support is very important. People that care about you. Make yourself accountable. You can do it. You can quit. What happened to the relationships that you had with people who still smoke? Did you have to sever the relationships or just redefine them and say, I'll be with you, but not if you're smoking? I didn't put that pressure on myself because I understand the struggle. I did have friends that would continue to smoke, but I just limited my time with them always made sure that it was in a place that there was fresh air. There is no way I could ever walk into a house where someone had been smoking. That's not someplace that I'm comfortable. Rekindle cravings, or is it just a reminder of how nasty it is? Does that, for me, make me crave? I can walk by someone smoking outside. It's really, really a dirty habit. It makes you smell dirty. It makes you smell like a cigarette. Your breath, your teeth, everything about it is very, very dirty. I didn't want that smell that I would smoke and then use the spray and the breath and everything to try to cover up the fact that I was smoking. I have a lot of compassion for people. It does not make me want to smoke. I am so past the addiction that I just have deep compassion for people who are struggling. Many years ago, I was talking to somebody who was trying to stop smoking, and they also used the word dirty. It's a very dirty habit, and what seemed mm-hmm. to help them a little bit, they made up the analogy, good analogy, that it was like never taking a shower. Yes, absolutely. And it became offensive to them. It became offensive to me, absolutely. And I think it's about resetting your boundaries. For me, it was about resetting my boundaries. I started respecting my body. And I think self-respect has a lot to do with that because if you respect yourself and respect your body, you won't put anything into it or lower yourself. That also is an intriguing piece of this, to respect your body and to begin to love who you are Without the cigarettes, not, what's the word I'm looking for? Not feel that the cigarettes have to be part of you for you to be whole or have a sense of boundaries. How long did it take you to evolve into this notion that you have to respect yourself in order to start the stopping of cigarettes? You evolved to that the day you quit. The day you quit, within the first week, your sense of taste comes back. The sense of smell comes back, food tastes better. For me, it was being very active and running and working out and just getting a sense that I'm more than a cigarette. That was just very important to me to regain that athletic part of me that I had buried with a cigarette. Because when you're smoking, you cannot be just takes that part away from me. Did you have any residual medical problems from your cigarette smoking? At the time that I decided to quit, I was having some dental issues. So I would say that was residual. It's very important to me to put myself out in the world. I'm a very happy, positive person now. So my smile was definitely part of who I wanted to be in my new healthy life. Do you know of people who have become permanently ill or have died from their smoking habits? 
Absolutely. Many of my family members have passed away because of smoking-related illnesses. My dad was a long-time smoker. I had an aunt who was a long-time smoker. I had two uncles, my grandparents, and they all passed. Today, my sister suffers from COPD because of smoking. Even though she is on oxygen, she still continues to smoke. Given all of that, what do you think? What's the drive to continue smoking? We see people die. We know it causes cancer and a multitude of other medical problems. What's the draw? Why can't people stop? It's the brain. It's what nicotine does to your brain. Nicotine is highly addictive, and it has that feel-good sensation on someone's brain. That in itself is what is the most difficult thing to break, exchanging that feel-good sensation for another sensation or just breaking that addiction is so difficult. Personally, that's what I think it is. It's that feel-good sensation that nicotine has on the brain. I've often thought that another way of looking at it is to say that nicotine is like being involved in an abusive relationship. Think cigarettes are your friends and they are not. But exactly. you can't get away, exactly. and that's part of the redundant pattern or repetitive pattern of people who are in abusive relationships. So right. it's just amazing. And when I talk to people, one of the things that I always inquire is what are you doing to replace it? Not another drug necessarily, but an activity, a passion, becoming spiritual, whatever it is for the person, something to make them right. want not to smoke. I'm very curious, how do you feel about the fact that cigarettes are still even being sold? I think that it's detrimental to our public health to continue to have so many tobacco products on the market today. When I was 16, there was not an age limit for smoking. Even though the age limit today is 18, I truly believe that it should be raised to 21. I don't think young adults and children have the critical thinking tools to be able to make that decision for themselves at such a young age. And their bodies and, and psychologies are still developing. Absolutely. Involving nicotine in that process, it's not, it's hindered. And for me, I suffered from depression for many years. And so it was my way to try to combat the depression with the feel-good ticking on the brain that I would get when I would smoke. If I would have an argument, if I was feeling any way sad or degraded or something of that nature, I would always run to the cigarette. That was very difficult to break as well. It's like you said, when you're in an abusive relationship, you don't know how to get out of it, so you just learn to deal with it. There's an old Marlboro tobacco ad, cigarette ad. I don't even know how long it is, probably from the 50s. And it shows a little baby, and he's saying to his mother, Mom, before you get upset with me, light up a cigarette and you'll calm down. What a message. Yeah, we have come a long way in science and the development of what we can do to prevent society on a whole from picking up the cigarette habit, cigarette addiction, really. If you had the ability to sit and talk with a teenager or anybody of any age, it doesn't matter the age, who is now thinking of smoking, what would you tell them to think about before they, shall we say, lit the first cigarette? I would say that you really have no idea how damaging and costly 
smoking cigarettes can do in your lifetime. People who spend thousands and thousands of dollars on cigarettes and the health damages alone, again, is very costly because spending cigarette money can cause yourself damage health-wise. It just doesn't make any sense. It's a lifetime choice once you pick that first cigarette up. And the spinoffs, if they get COPD, cancer, other respiratory problems or what all, is that the cost of the medical community is also enormous, plus the cost of the person. Their insurance premiums go up, cost of the medications. Maybe they can't work anymore or their work is limited. A whole series of things downwind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your family as well. The cost is to your family. They watch you suffer, they watch you deteriorate, they watch you continue to harm yourself. It's sad. It's a sad, sad thing when tobacco is in the forefront. I understand there's a lot of money involved in this industry as well. And so that complicates it because there's entrepreneurial pressure to sell more cigarettes. Absolutely. One of the things that has always been intriguing is that if you go into a room and you're smoking, not only you are smoking, but everyone around you who's smelling the air of the secondhand smoke is getting some of your tobacco products. Did that ever bother you when you were smoking? I thought about it, and it, and it was in my mind, but my use of tobacco and what I it was just so strong that I lost any logical thought process about the health of me and also the health of my family. So it's a public health medical issue in a larger sense than just your body. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think we all should be more thoughtful of how costly and damaging cigarettes can be. You mentioned that depression was a factor in your decision yes. to smoke. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, please? Well, my depression came from me from a very deep place of pain. And it developed because of continued emotional pain I was suffering. And the continuation of the tobacco use was my way to relieve the pain. And I was essentially attempting to put a band-aid on what the root problems were. I kept thinking that smoking. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping you were able to resolve those problems. I think taking control of my life was the first and foremost thing that I could do for myself. And stopping the tobacco, I didn't realize until after. You get down the road a little ways and you contemplate and ponder on things that have happened to you in your life. And I went to many, many therapists. Over 30 years, I was in and out of therapy trying to understand what, what is wrong with me. What is wrong with me? And stopping cigarettes is the key thing if you are a smoker and suffering from depression that can help lift some the cloud over your life. It was very important to take away that factor of depression. And by your own story, obviously, with work, with suffering, it wasn't just go to Kmart, get a kit, be done, and the next day you're okay. No, 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 no. It worked. It, it, it's, a, it's a journey, but I was so determined to have a healthy life because I had lived the unhealthy life. And I, I am in a beautiful 
peaceful place in my life today that I had to work very hard to get to. Good for you. But it was worth every every day, every effort, every and and it was about talking about it and also empowering myself with knowledge. Uh, I think it's very important for someone who is on a road to addiction and recovery. Let's close with an overview of the CDC program. I know there are other programs mm-hmm. around, but tell me about this particular program. What is it? What's the focus? What do they try to do? Your your experiences with them, please. The CDC has done a great job educating the public on the health and financial consequences of tobacco use, and I would urge the public to go to the website, cdc.gov slash fit, or call 1-800-QUIT-NOW if they want more information about stopping tobacco use. Again, it's about education, offering you a solution. The CDC has done a great job over the past five years with this program of offering you a solution to help you quit, giving you a lifeline, so to speak, with information and tools. You obviously want to be, but don't know how to get there. CDC spends very little money in prevention of tobacco use in relation to how much the tobacco companies spend advertising to get people to pick up that first cigarette. An interesting statistic to explore. I think we're going to have to do that. Let me say to folks who are listening, there are two sources of, of information through the CDC. The one is the website, cdc.gov tips, or the other is 1-800-QUIT-NOW, Q-U-I-T-N-O-W, quit now. That's easy, 800-QUIT-NOW. What can I tell you? I'm so pleased that you are no longer smoking, that your life is better, you're healthy, and I'm hoping that people will listen and walk away with one of the key elements that you said is you began to respect your body and love who you are without cigarettes. What an enormous statement and hopefully something that people who need to stop smoking can grab a hold of and use use as a guide. Rebecca Cox McDonald. Rebecca, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This is very good. Dr. Strauss, I appreciate the opportunity. And again, the website is www.cdc.tips. Go check it out.